0: Speer claims that the ATA wants to reach out to independent drivers. Drug testing legislation to include hair sample testing for truck drivers. Teamsters ready to walk from UPS Freight should second contract fail. Freight Waves and Jason Schinker talk about the midterm implications for the freight economy. I'm JP. And I'm Chad. And we talk about all these issues and more on this week's episode of What the Truck.
1: All right. Well, we have a fantastic episode in store for everyone today. It's a very politically motivated one. Oh, yeah. And I will drink to that. What will be ranking? Well, our elections headlines elections make me drink. Yeah. Um, because um, whether they're a big deal or a little deal, um, it is a lot of sound and fury. Well, we don't know how much it'll signify.
0: Probably nothing. <laughs>
1: But um, but there's lots to talk about. In the meantime, what you hitting on there?
0: I'm back to my old standard. Oh. Um, yes. Alas, I'm, you're single heart. Sort of, yeah, descending into the warm, sweet embrace of <laughs> Bell's 2 hearted
1: Oh, the nostalgia. And, what you got even though you here? haven't well, asked... What do you got going um, on, Chad? Oh, well, thanks for I'm, asking. I'm, I'm
0: very interested. <laughs>
1: Clearly. Um, I'm drinking... Um, truck stop honey Ooh, a truck stop honey from dramatic. from back 40 beer uh based in gadsden alabama interesting yeah uh, How is it? it's you know what i'm um happy about this um this brown is that it uh doesn't have too much um it doesn't have too much honey <laughs> you know it's a good balance the. yeah uh, is that a good thing? Uh, no, it's all right. It's, uh, it feels right for the season. And i um, happy to give a shout out to an independent brewery. Um, and so um, here we are. Um, and the, the game that we're going to play with our four headlines of the week um, JP, and I don't know um, exactly if our audience is expecting this, so this is a fun I'm thing. I'm sure they're not. Uh, is We are going to measure each story on the political BS meter on a nice. scale
0: of 1 to 10. So we're recording this as you know the midterm elections are approaching. We've got right. a lot of stories about unions and corporations and... You know, we got a story about legislation, elections, legislation, lobbyists, midterm
1: elections coming up by the next time all of these talking heads
0: and we are trying to sort through it and see what's real and what is, you know. Not.
1: And then stay tuned because we will be playing a scintillating version of Big Deal, Little Deal, and this time we plan on making it under the two minutes.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, we always plan on making it. <laughs> well, that's we... true. But,
1: I mean, we really, really plan on it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, 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 tell me about this. Uh, start us off on this uh, this uh, ATA Chris Spear story as we measure... The BS meter,
0: yeah. So John Kingston um, wrote this story um, about Chris Spears, you know, speech at the ATA meeting. Um, he, you know, did led his usual, you know, dog and pony show. Um, you know, for those of you who don't know, the ATA is sort of a, a vast um, lobbying organization controlled by the big carriers and trucking. Um, you know, the way the way that the organization works is that the membership. Uh, pays dues based on their revenues. And so large companies with large revenues pay a lot of money. Small members don't pay as much money. And you can imagine how that affects the agenda of the organization
1: and we did a little research this week as a matter of fact and looked at their tax filings to kind of see how large uh their their you know operating revenue was last year and it turns out it's a little over 48 million dollars
0: a year yep so, so they're a pretty pretty big law- lobbying uh um, organization um and the, you know very Spear, big in trucking. spirit talked about some um yeah yeah they dominate trucking um He talked about some interesting things, um, sort of some initiatives that the ATA membership was trying to push. Um, where should we start I mean well I think- to me the the
1: lead is the is the, the interesting part of the agenda because most of these items on the agenda we've heard a lot and the, the new right. thing that we haven't heard is I mean my bullshit meter is really it's it's it's, it's going it's, high it's right in, now into the red zone. it's it, it's uh they announced the formation there's no details that have been provided about this but they announced that this week uh, which I guess was last week they will be forming forming um the uh the, the independent contractor ambassadors program so we're waiting wow. we're, we're we're desperately awaiting details of this so the so their announcement of the independent this is an interesting title they they they're going to be forming an independent contractor ambassadors program so basically they're going to start talking to People from the constituency of OIDA, independent operators. I mean, owner-operators.
0: Owner-operators right? and independent drivers. Yeah, and I, I find that language, independent contractors, so interesting because that's the very sort of uh, employment classification that has been such uh, right. a center of dispute in all of these lawsuits, right? That is the way that um, you know large carriers want to classify drivers and owner operators who lease their capacity to other carriers even if they're working under forced dispatch they still want to call them independent contractors so they can force them into arbitration um, you know and settle to, you know and sort of underpay themselves piece like this it's just weird it's so tone deaf to me that they would call yeah. they would call this ambassadorship program. Independent contractors. What does anyone like? No no one thinks of themselves as an independent contractor. Either you're an owner operator leasing out, or you're, if you're working under forced dispatch, you should be treated like an employee and given all the same rights and benefits that like come from a regular employment agreement. It's kind of a weird. I don't, I don't really, I don't get it. And, and the other thing is, is, of course, that it's, 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 it's kind of hilarious that the ATA is. Um, yeah, th- this is their new sort of PR campaign, I guess it, 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 it's
1: it become it becomes increasingly clear as one be- understands the 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 stance after stance of the ATA and their general agenda that the overall approach is that they're they are looking to keep pay down. They don't care as much about the quality of the driver. Everything they say, or not everything, but most of the things they say, it's like opposite world. There's there's a lot of they'll they'll say that like the ELDs are about safety, but what is what is really their agenda? For instance, right, right. We don't need to digress on that. I guess right now. Well, I mean,
0: it's a it's a good example. I mean, because a lot Mm. of the large carriers in the ATA were already using electronic logging devices for their own internal data uses and for um, liability. And they claimed that this was an industry-wide safety thing that the industry needed to have imposed on them. I mean, you know, we could point out... in the name of safety. In the name of safety. We could point out that the ATA could have simply required all of its members to use ELDs. They decided not to do that because the real point of it was to force a burdensome regulation on small operators that can undercut and outperform the large carriers or, 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 or ten, you know, tend to. And right. so, because they're <clears throat> generally
1: more experienced.
0: Normally everything that the ATA says is about safety is really about something else. Um,
1: yeah, um, and, and uh, I, was, I was thinking along the lines of what you were just saying. Um, the, and, and, you know, the, oh, I was going to say, t- toward the uh, argument for ATA on their behalf, though, I will say, and this will tr- slightly bring down my BS meter on the ELDs, is that we do want, like, there is an argument to be made for we don't need so much fragmentation in the industry, it's nice to have some 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 things that reach across the board. And whether or not even for the to the argument of ELDs and safety, ELDs are game changing the industry because finally technology can be truly adopted. And now, as we've seen in 2018, and we've been talking about a lot, we've talked a lot about tech and the amount, so, so ELD, but it's just the language that they use and the motives that, you know, it it all goes back to the the motive.
0: the, The rhetoric of safety is so, you know, just duplicitous, frankly, um, and, and, yeah, I mean, you know, because it's, it's just a technology to enforce the hours of service. But, yeah, I agree that the ELDs have unlocked a new data-driven phase of trucking. And I think that's really positive. But certainly don't trust the ATA. Um, and you, you, when they talk about, you know, the, the, the other thing they, they constantly harp on is allowing 18 to 21-year-olds to get CD, CDLs and drive.
1: Right. And,
0: you know Because they want to solve the driver um shortage. The driver shortage. And we we know that large carriers, you know, the dirty little secret is they don't really care that much about driver retention. They don't really care that much about solving right. what they want is a compliant, low paid workforce that they can churn through that they can you they can create this body of casual labor that they can quickly bring on and offline as market conditions dictate
1: and so if you're if you're new sort of to the industry and you suddenly like see on its surface like, you know, like the ATA arguing for like, hey, 18 to, to 21 year olds should be allowed to, to to get a CDL and drive for carriers. Look, they already do it in, in gigantic states, small states that they're allowed to drive in. They already do this. There's no difference. We're just letting them drive. You know like across the, the, whatever their regions or lanes or however national it needs to be it's not that much of a difference and on the surface there's this like pragmatism it seems like wow it's really just solving this 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 driver it could be just like at least a a, a play towards the end of, of solving helping solve the driver shortage problem, right. and, and which bring... is originally actually early on in our podcasting we argued the merits for now no, I think I think I'm it could beginning work. to
0: see it could work to to, um, you know, lower the average age of the driver population. Yeah, that's a good argument but, for it. But you know, the reason why they're doing it is to ultimately to, um, you know, dep- you know to suppress driver wages.
1: Right. Is so that you get these eighteen-year, twenty-one-year-olds? <clears throat> they're you call young. them You call them
0: like apprentice drivers or something. You pay them. You Don't
1: know. have to pay them as much. Right. You can increase the churn. Yep. They're not going to be as experienced.
0: You've, they've, 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 uh, since they're 18, they've started working. They've already, you, you've got them to decide against college. So they're probably not going to, mm-hmm. you know, go back. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um,
1: well, anyway, to, about their independent contractor ambassadors program, of which there's still no details available, and we reached out to OIDA to see what their commentary might be on it, and they too have no details about this. But they said the ATA said these ambassadors will represent independent truckers before key decision makers. So what are they going to be? Are they going to be like these patsies? Like, oh, they, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. Like so, who so are they gonna they, like? They're, they're gonna, gonna create. Find
0: they're gonna create these ambassadors to talk for on behalf on behalf of 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 independent owner driver.
1: operators, but they're gonna be called independent contractors. Just sounds real sketch. My, <laughs> my BS meter just went really yeah. high. Yeah, it's it's. It, in fact, as we conclude this segment of our headlines, I my BS meter, JP. Is a full ten out of ten on wow. this story. Wow. Eh, 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 <laughs> eh. I am redlining.
0: I'm, I'm, I think I'm at a nine. You know, the, the lobbyists are going to do what lobbyists do, uh, and the ATA is trying to pull another rabbit out of the hat. And um, I don't. We'll see if anyone buys into this.
1: All right. So the average ranking of that BS meter then is a nine point five. Okay, <laughs> um, as we investigate drug testing legislation uh, to include right. hair sample testing for for truck drivers, this is an interesting story that seems sort of like a bigger deal than maybe it is. But what is kind of interesting to me is that it received almost unanimous bipartisan support. Um in Congress, and essentially, if you 're not familiar with the story, its new regulation has passed in both houses of Congress um you know and, and the legislation. Comes after three years um, of failed, you know, new te- hair testing or new testing protocols um, that you know since 2015 in the FAST Act, which um, you know allowed the FMCSA to start accepting, um, you know, hair ha- follicle tests. Yes, Yes. Yeah, so there has been nothing
0: that's happened. So the idea was that uh, the large carriers who have um, you know great exposure to lawsuits, especially around fatalities. Have applied right. these very stringent uh, drug testing thing, uh, drug testing regimes that include hair follicle testing, which can detect the use of opioids going back ninety days, whereas urinalysis maybe it's like three to four days. Um, and they have asked the FMCSA and the Department of Transportation to show to create rules where they can submit hair follicle testing. Um, and it'd be like equivalent to your analysis. Right now, the only kind of drug testing that the FMCSA recognizes is your analysis. Right. Which so, just
1: seems it just seems a little antiquated. And if you want to be able to have hair analysis, like count as your as your test over your analysis, you should be able to. And this is what politicians can agree on. This tiny, little, almost meaningless, like slightly different, like kind of like it's it's...
0: This is the big deal. Well, this is well. It's really what it is. It's the first step that the that the large carriers are taking to impose hair follicle testing on the entire industry. This is so. There we go again. If I'm an owner operator, this is a replay of the ELD. First, you know, you ask them, "Hey, we don't have paper logs. We have electronic logs. Can you give us some guidance on making those equivalent?" Then, you yeah. know, five years later, you say, hey, can you make everyone use ELDs? It's, it's all about safety. And I guarantee <laughs> right. you that this is what's going to happen with, with hair, fol- hair follicle testing. They're going to say, you know, um, can you, uh, you know, we, we have to impose hair follicle testing on the entire industry. There's a, a, a statistic that's been quoted, you know, at our office that says that 24% of the, the drivers who pass a urinalysis test would fail a hair follicle test. And so, yeah, I mean, there's lots of stats that can that, be used, that takes and a there's ma- that would take a massive chunk out of the driver population. It would make it impossible for small carriers that don't have sophisticated online recruiting programs to source drivers further consolidate the industry, further play into the hands of the very largest carriers. Well,
1: there you go. There's a summary of it, and that's why my BS meter is rank, is really starting to, like, thrum pretty high on this one <laughs> as well. Look, I mean, I know that it's easy to give bipartisan support to – we have an opioid uh, crisis in our country where, actually, finally the stats are showing that this is the first year where the issue, like, it's plateaued and it's not growing, but it's still, like, a gigantic problem – um, it's killing and,
0: more people than car accidents.
1: And and I'm I can only imagine. There's lots of various statistics from various years, and I can only imagine that a lot of truck drivers use stimulants or opioids or smoke pot. I, I you know maybe drink and drive um, and all sorts of things. But I just I'm I'm, yeah, I'm just I'm suspect of uh, th- this particular legislation at this given time. From this, the powerful lobbying groups. It's going to be it's it, about it, it's here's expensive
0: tests. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, professional truck drivers are already much safer than your average motorists.
1: That's that's what I have come to learn over um, the past year of covering things. And in so this, this industry. is it's
0: not about safety. It's about it's not. It's about a cost that uh, the large carriers have undertaken to protect themselves against liability and they now want yeah. to use that as a cudgel to hit all of the small carriers with the same cost. They know that they can't bear it, and they know that then, you know, they'll, they'll drive, you know, they, they view the small carriers as people just undercutting them, undercutting their rates and their service all the time. A cudgel. Whoa, yes. <laughs> that's, the,
1: that's the word of the day. Um, and, uh, and I couldn't agree more. My BS meter on this story, bipartisan support notwithstanding, Nine giving it a 9 JP
0: I'm gonna go with a seven a seven I think so much that, more moderate I think that you know there's something to be said for identifying drug users who are in control of heavy machinery on public highways but you know I again there's there's the the surface the story on the surface and then there's what's <laughs> you know reading between the lines what yeah. it's really about
1: well, and in between the lines are are um, the the mean of the BS me- meter. Then is eight on that particular story. Okay. Um, well, uh, the Teamsters JP are ready to walk from UPS Freight. Should this second contract fail, you want to give us the, the the background on yeah this, this is, situation. You
0: know, so this isn't the same thing as the UPS you know ground drivers who. Had that controversial uh, contract ratified, even though a majority of the membership had declined it. So this is a different. This is the this is UPS Freight, which is their LTL side. People who haul you know palletized freight, um, you know, also unionized. Also, you know, like many other LTL companies, ArcBest and YRC, uh, it's it's organized by the Teamsters, um, you know, and they're. I feel like
1: the employees will vote between this November 9th and 11th um and so after November 12th is is what we're going to understand is like if they no. either accept the uh the terms that UPS freight is saying this is our best offer we're not going to continue to negotiate and they're saying look on on a couple of terms such as you guys hiring extra subcontractors during busy seasons and you know we've we've you know, like the, you know, UPS feels like they've conceded and, um, you know, the Teamsters are saying that you haven't moved the needle at all. Um, and also like UPS has uh, um, UPS Freight has feel feels like they've conceded by also paying drivers normal rate r- wages, even when they're performing these non-driving duties um, such as dock work. So they've conceded on that. They're going to pay them, which seems Exceedingly fair, like there's, they should be paying them for that. Oh yeah, that's like side
0: work at a restaurant. Like you know, like we have to be paid minimum wage for that.
1: If you're working, you're working, yeah. Right, and so, uh, so all, so the the concessions have been made, um, and uh, but the Teamsters are still not happy. Um, they have a dissident group within the Teamsters called the the Teamsters for a Democratic Union. And, those those and, people sound pretty hardcore. And they are they they've called the um they've called it a the 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 new the the new negotiations they've called it a turd
0: and an insult
1: and insulting yes um, yeah those
0: people sound interesting you know on the one hand I'm like okay are these like actually like crazy like revolutionary leftists on the other <laughs> hand. When they say a democratic union, I wonder if what they're really complaining about is like the corruption of the Teamster leadership. Ooh, you know what I mean? I mean, I, like I they want, want the leadership to wonder. respond more to the rank and file. So th- that's kind of interesting. But that they're in know.
1: the minority, and we're talking overall about twelve thousand workers. These these Teamsters. Oh yeah, yeah. Twelve. Well, I mean, that Dri- is twelve
0: thousand drivers.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. Huge. That's that's that is. It's it's consider it's considerable. Um, it, you know, um, and,
0: you know, I think, I think they're bluffing a little bit, you know, if you, if you pay attention to teamster negotiations, if you pay attention to labor disputes at UPS, I mean, there, there were drivers who threatened to go on strike around, you know, this time, almost
1: Even, all the time. It's their only well, yeah. real leverage.
0: Well, it always had, like, I remember last yeah. December, Things were popping off, and the the, the, you know, the team series said they were going to walk out, you know, go on strike. Like they always try to use this like peak season, yeah. opportunity their to try to put pressure, um, you know, and whatever. I mean, you you know, here's the thing about UPS, they've got a near monopoly on the parcel market they're one of the largest most profitable transportation companies in the world they had terrific third quarter earnings most of the ltl competition putting leaving aside old dominion and you know fedex freight is already unionized as well so you know you, the, the, their their uh complaints about competitive advantage are you know less than convincing on the other hand you know the Teamsters, but how do you
1: remain competitive? You remain competitive by you know not having as many fixed costs. You have to you have to you you have to measure right. these things. You have to know true
0: true you know so true. And you know I wonder what the actual numbers are for their use of subcontractors during that is one part freight that freight we don't have. I, I would like to know that. Like on the one hand, you know it's it's all it's all specified by contract, so. They have to guarantee a certain number of jobs to teamsters and then when freight goes above that by a certain amount they can start subcontracting things out obviously both sides are going to try to play with the numbers to argue their point i do know that paying teamsters overtime is not you're probably not going to make money like that um so i could see why they would subcontract things out if they could
1: I am going to call this can I can I go ahead and call it on my BS meter Sure Uh I'm going to call it a 7 and more of a 7 um from the point of view of the Teamsters more of like they're they're bluffing the concessions have been made I don't know like what what's are you you really you're really going to strike during the holiday
0: Um Right Okay it's been a long time since since uh UPS workers have gone on strike um what about you? How are you going to affect uh, th- me? I'm, I'm kind of at a five, just a five. you know, I'm not you know, these these both sides play these hardball sort of public, you know, bluffing games. You know, it's a it's a bit of a
1: five, it's very
0: moderate it's a, then. It's a so bit of a liar's poker, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 you know, you're just trying to make the other side blink. Um Make yourself look really good. That's why they that's why everyone's talking to the press about it, right? Uh so I just right. think that like okay. I think that it's a difficult relationship. Um so we give it a six Obviously these these people are doing a great job. UPS is performing very well. On the other hand, the Teamsters will destroy your company from the inside if you let them.
1: Oh, um, well, that's a powerful statement to end on. Um, why don't we segue to um there, our final uh, headline of the week, um, in which we had uh, we hosted a webinar with uh Jason Schenker, uh, a a renowned economist and he was talking about the midterm in- From,
0: he's the uh, principal at prestige economics. he's a uh, he's on Bloomberg News all the time. Chairman um, of the Futurist Institute. Yeah, yeah, he's a really smart guy. Does a lot of research. Does a lot of uh, forecasting for commodities prices, equities, uh, bonds, currencies. Uh, really interesting guy to talk to. Kind of has this view from you know the top of Mount Olympus. Um, <laughs> and I was, it was cool too. I talked to him for about. We had a, ch- a chat um, for about thirty minutes on a webinar. Earlier this week, um,
1: well, he's also um, promoting a new book, which we'll give yeah, him a shout out yeah. on. It's called "Midterm Economics," which we're rushing right up towards the midterms. His "Midterm Economics: The Impact of Midterm Elections on Financial Markets and the Economy." And yeah, uh, he's done some that, interesting research, and that's what we talked about.
0: It's that. I kind of, th- I kind of think you could flip that the other way around. It could also be called. The Impact of Financial Markets and the Economy on Midterm Elections. Oh. You know, it's, there's an interesting sort of push-pull kind of...
1: You know, Yin and yang, yeah. paradoxical
0: yeah. kind of thing. But um, we had a pretty good conversation. You, yeah. you, you wrote about it. What, what did you think? Well, I was just listening
1: in on y'all's conversation and documenting it. Um, but uh, I, what did I think? I thought that, you know... <sighs> I mean what I, I liked what his pro, I liked the scope and concept of the project and I haven't read the book and you know um I think that it may have some really revealing um information but in a lot of ways it, it didn't seem like maybe there was a a ton to com, a, a lot of information to draw from historically to necessarily get super Historically, like we're
0: we're we, super is like statistically like sort of robust. Like like we're talking really right. we're talking really about the the post war period starting with Truman. You know modern party structures. You know that kind of thing. Um One thing mo- he
1: did point out that I thought was really interesting, and I don't know about you, but like he said that a lot of people have been saying um, that this uh, midterm election cycle is a lot like the 2010 midterm election cycle, and he was like. He was like, on what planet are these people thinking? Uh, and here's a huge, uh, you know, I- indicator. Um, not even necessarily a midterm indicator, but it, you know, it was in this case. Um, is unemployment unemployment now? This is a big stat of of, of the conversation. Is at three point seven percent, which is the lowest it's ever been since nineteen sixty nine. And right. in fact, I don't know when it was lower than that before. But I keep hearing that it's never been as low as it was since nineteen sixty nine. Um, and in twenty ten, it was ten percent, and and those Democrats, those incumbents, Get were hammered. just swept away, and yeah, really got hammered. So in this case, those comparisons. Are are really not similar at all. But in point of fact, it's more like, and this was interesting to me, the uh, the 2000...
0: Right.
1: Uh, uh, actually, the 2000 general election. Right. So or, that's a well, bit of a difference. Or, well, it's,
0: this will be a general election, but the 2000 uh, presidential election...
1: Uh, well, yeah, but, but he was referring by general, It's it was the presidential was the way that I feel like I thought we were yeah. uh, talking about it. Yeah. And at, at, at that time, it, um, he pointed out, um, there was, you know, there was, um, there was some frothiness in that respect, um, in the economy, was so there, 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 there's a
0: tech bubble, like there there's was a now, tech bubble. Um, yeah, there are sort of But they, you still they, had dissatisfaction with the system. You had a, you were at the tail end of a very long expansion. People people still being dissatisfied the um the issues that that were driving political debate were not necessarily economic ones similar to now. Like you don't, you don't see people right. you don't see candidates talking about how they're going to improve the economy or do this or that better. Like it's no, no no one no one's really touching that no one really wants to claim credit for it no one is really trying to, um, say you know yeah take ownership of the 2019 and 2020 economies you know what I mean by, by saying like if you liked me we'll, you know we'll continue you know three and a half percent GDP you know no one's saying that
1: another interesting aspect of the conversation that I thought um, was re- relevant and interesting he was like look. I mean, I mean. So we're hearing a lot about like how compelling and important it is to vote. Um, and I don't mean to take the steam out of anybody's punch, but you know, like so to speak. But it, you know, in a lot of ways, in terms like of the economics, uh, it doesn't really matter which side uh, wins. Right. He pointed out that right. what if yeah. every single Democratic seat um, won? Over the midterm elections on every single level, you're still not going to be able to have the kind of impact that it would create to what impeach the president so that his trade policies are 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 stopped right, right. in are in their, you know. So um,
0: to, to back up for a second, yeah. Schinker said that there were the three biggest risk factors to the American economy, including the freight economy, were monetary policy, trade policy, and overall levels of government debt. And he said that right. no matter who wins the election in the midterms, no, regardless of the results of this particular midterm election, none of those three risk factors will be altered. He Said that for firstly, monetary policy set by the Fed, uh, Chairman Jay Powell, right, and, and his, is not and his expected to change, he's not going it's, to change, he's there for the next six years, yeah. And the whole point is that of the, the Fed is that they're fairly immune from politics. Two, uh, the trade policy, and by Trump's trade policy, we mean the protectionism and the trade war Tariffs. with China, yeah. Um, That is baked into the world view of the Trump administration. Um, If you look at uh, Peter Navarro, uh, who's one of his main advisors, um, he's written several books about China. This is a very well-developed position that is deeply entrenched in the administration. Um, Thirdly, government debt, you know...
1: Either party is going to incur more debt. Either party is going to incur more
0: debt. And even if the Democrats win... The House, which they are expected to do, um, divided government, and by that we mean, you know,
1: Senate majority of Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, yeah. So right now we do. Well, right now we don't have a divided government. Right.
0: But if we do go back to a divided government, that's likely to increase the government debt even faster because what tends to happen um, to get bipartisan support for legislation, so. If the Democratic House passes a bill that then the Republican Senate also has to pass to send it to the White House, what tends to happen is that the Democrats will—you have to spend money, you have to increase spending to get the Democrats on board, while simultaneously cutting taxes to get the Republicans on board, right? Right. So you're spending money you don't have, and so that increases the debt right. that much faster.
1: So these were interesting aspects of what he was saying. And also, I think, leading up to—so um, let's get through. We get through the midterms. Whatever happens, happens. And then he, he, he pointed out—and and, and a lot of people may know this, but um, there is one single factor that has, over the past 100 years— has been the leading economic indicator as to whether a president will get reelected or not.
0: Yeah, and that is unemployment. If the unemployment rate increases between the midterm of his of the president's first term, so and so
1: right now the bar set pretty like if so. It, but in other words, my understanding is he's saying if it increases from the three point seven percent that it is now over the next two years leading up to the general election that basically history tells us that Trump will not be voted back in in the, because the, here the, there are four cases over the past 100 years where this has happened right. and it was Hoover yep Carter yep uh, it was George WH uh, H WH um, uh, Bush what was the yep. I'm, fe- um, I'm forgetting H.W.
0: Bush I'm forgetting there's one other one was we're both forgetting um, it. Is it? Yeah, I can't remember.
1: Uh, but there's been four cases of it, uh, and uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and and so in the in the history of all the time, it's always and for some kind. I didn't understand this part. For some reason, it generally trends upward after a midterm election. Like uh, so, like generally speaking, towards a general uh, a general presidential election, the economy, the unemployment rate goes down. Hmm.
0: Right, and, right, 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 and
1: so right. and so that's why regularly
0: incumbents yeah. are
1: are um uh, reelected re- re- normally, normally re- and then, re- elected. and then
0: when it goes di- when the unemployment rate goes up uh, they are punished for that um so we'll see you know we'll see what happens a lot of people think that there is a good chance that you know, the tech bubble will burst that equities will keep stumbling forward and maybe falling into 2019 that um the lack of synchronized growth in global uh, you know global markets especially emerging markets could put downward pressure on oil prices which which will now hurt the american economy um you know there's there's a lot of different there's a lot things. of variables
1: and that's why maybe we don't housing, have enough. housing
0: starts have already yeah have already kind of you know the 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 price of real estate went too high, destroyed demand. Now housing starts are way down.
1: Well, uh, and so my my I would say my political BS meter on this, I'm going to go really low on this because I didn't detect a, a lot of BS. I think there may be BS in some of the uh, you know the ways that we can we have to interpret the stats. I'm going to go
0: two. Yeah, I'm going to go three because not not to at Jason. I think his book is excellent, and he he gave a lot of insight. But I just think that it casts light on the BS peddled by politicians who oh. are, are giving economic promises. Right?
1: Okay. So right. we have yeah. So two point five is our mean on that. And what an exciting time to talk about politics. Um, and so fun to, you know, have a theme of that with our, from our logistics perspective, it is time to play big deal, little deal. What is the deal with you? All right, let's (laughs) let's do it. All right. So, um, ready or not here we go. XBO drivers in New Jersey agree to
0: join Teamsters big deal or little deal. It's a big deal. Uh, xpo is the new juicy target for the teamsters and we'll see whether they go the way of most other ltl carriers
1: trucking carrier shift capacity to capture port volumes big deal or little deal
0: it's a little deal it's temporary and predictable but um it created some volatility in uh, capacity and volumes
1: uptake taps into geotab sensors ai to take predictive
0: maintenance a step further big deal or little deal it's a little deal navistar is also using ai to um create intelligent predictive maintenance capabilities to reduce traffic pollution delivery services hop on the bike big deal or little deal it's a big deal because when you look at the when you look at this article by linda baker our new west coast correspondent you know the people trying out the e-bikes are huge ups for example manufacturing and not e-commerce is the decisive factor of international air cargo growth big deal or little deal
1: little deal it remains b2b for now and economics is growing just not at the expected
0: rate freight forwarders still control the market Freightwaves partners with benzinga to bring freight market news to the masses big deal or little deal big deal we have an agreement
1: in place
0: to add 20 million readers to channels we didn't have access to Brent WTI spread widens. Crude prices propped up by supply worries. Big deal or little deal?
1: Little deal. There's still plenty of reason to remain bullish on oil for now. Let's gauge it in another
0: week. Final phase of I-269 opens, allowing trucks to bypass Memphis traffic. Big deal or little deal? (laughs) It's a big deal for truckers and traffic running
1: through that congested corridor. And every, every little bit of infrastructure helps, but in the grand scheme of things, little deal. Did we do it? We did
0: it! Oh my I, gosh, I, I can't, can't believe I'm it! I'm pretty sure! <laughs>
1: yes. oh, oh, it's fun how we can uh, evaluate ourselves at the end of each of these um, games. Wow, we're, we're awesome. Yeah, rock on! And uh, everyone out there in Freightland, we will
0: catch you next week.
1: As always, we go into more detail about each of the topics we've talked about today on our website, FreightWaves.com. We will continue to publish this podcast weekly, so be sure to subscribe to What the Truck on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Also, make sure to leave us a review to let us know what you think of our new podcast.
0: And if you're interested in freight economics and finance, come to our Market Waves conference at the Gaylord Texan Resort and Commission Center in Grapevine, Texas this November. Visit MarketWaves18.com to learn more about this event.
1: That'll do it for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week on What the the truck. Truck.